Tonight's theme, as Sam mentioned, is our, we're doing the, the series this month of Jesus Is. And this morning, my wife did a fantastic message called Jesus Is Peace, about how to access the peace, the Prince of Peace, who Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I would encourage you, that'll be up on YouTube or podcast on Tuesday. Listen to that because it's, gonna, it's very practical and you'll feel God's peace as you listen to it. And you might think um, that Danielle's life is just easy to find peace. But in our house, it's not always that way. And some of us get thrown under the bus in that message. Uh, but God rescues her and she finds peace in spite of her circumstances, which is wonderful. Jesus is alive. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's why we're able to have a water baptism tonight. The fact that Jesus is alive. And I want us just to pull up the scripture that I'm going to work my way through a little bit uh, to help us understand the significance of this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to 22. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that's you and me. All of us, the Bible said, have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus died for us once so that we don't have to be punished for our own sins, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He was put to death in his body, but after he died, he was made alive in the spirit. Oh, go back, go back, go back. We're still going. Um, After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It had only a few people, eight in all. Next one. Were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. Now that saves you also. Just a little moment to go back to that previous verse. The Bible tells us when Jesus died, uh, the Bible says he died physically, then he was made a brand new spirit. I'm going to get to that in a moment. And in that moment, he went down to hell. He went down, the Bible says he descended into hell, he preached to spirits. It's not exactly clear what that is, but it seems to indicate that he preached to demons who were locked up and imprisoned years ago at the time of the flood. And then the Bible says that he, he actually led them, uh, he led captivity captive. It said he, he's, he made a, a march with, with the defeated foes behind him into heaven. And he triumphed over them. Just the way a Roman general, when they went and took a whole lot of captives, in the city, they would parade them through the city behind them, chained and embarrassed, and it would be a triumphant march. The Bible says Jesus led such a triumphant march over the demonic forces of hell. The Bible tells us in that moment, He took the keys of death and He took the keys of hell from the devil who once had the power over death and had the keys to hell. He took them off them and He took them into heaven and then He ascended into heaven where He sits at the right hand of God. This is what happened. Okay. The next verse while we continue. Uh, yeah, here we go. It symbolizes baptism. Not the removal of dirt from the body. Okay, tonight we're not taking a bath. That's not the idea. We're not, there's not a physical washing off of anything. It's actually a spiritual act. The pledge of a clear conscience toward God. I love that. I don't, the, the feeling of a clean conscience is amazing. 
If you've ever had that, if you've ever felt God's conviction on your life because you know you've done something wrong, and many a time I've felt that conviction of God and I've struggled with that sense of guilt, uh, but then knowing that Jesus died so that I can have a clear conscience. There's nothing like having a clear conscience before God. It's an amazing thing. And so that's what happens when you're getting water baptized. You're, you're recognizing this clear conscience. Uh, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. He is seated in heavenly places. This is good news. The Bible tells us just a few things I want us to understand. Colossians 1.18, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. He's the firstborn from the dead. A little earlier in Colossians, it tells us He's the firstborn of all creation. That means that when God created, before God created the whole world, Jesus was born, His Son. It says, then through him and in him and, be, and, and with him, the world was created. He's the firstborn of all the world. But then, not just that, he's the firstborn of the church. Uh, what happened when he died, it was closing the chapter of humanity on the old and beginning a new chapter. And Jesus became the new prototype. The new prototype of everyone who would come after him, who would believe in God, would actually be made in the image of Jesus. We wouldn't just be the old you and I trying to be churchgoers and be better people. We'd actually be new creations. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, this is what I love tonight for everyone getting water baptized, for everyone who's ever made that decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what I love. It's that you're not just the old version of you. It's not just that. Before I get to that, just understand this, that we are three parts. We're made three parts. We're a physical body. That's going to one day die and be buried. Uh, for better or for worse, you, you, this specimen will eventually fade. My eyes will probably dim. My hearing will get a little harder. There'll be a little more creaks in my body. And eventually this body will fade and it will, it will fade and it will be buried. But my spirit won't be and my soul won't be. I'm a three-part being and so are you. I am a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body, the Bible tells us in Thessalonians. And so although the body might grow dim and weak and eventually fail, my spirit and my soul will, will, live, with, will live with God. And here's what happens, is when you get born again, you're essentially burying, you're recognizing when Jesus died on the cross, you're recognizing that if you put your faith in Him, your spirit died with Him and was buried with Him. And that's what water baptism is. It's the burial of the old you. And when He came back to life as the firstborn with a new spirit, it's the first prototype of you and I. So you're, you've got, the, the, we're made in the image of Christ, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things He might have preeminence. That means the nature of Jesus Christ once you get born again, is now your nature. That means the, the DNA of Jesus Christ spiritually is now your DNA. 
That means that you're not just the old person trying really hard to be a new person or a good person. You're a brand new creation. Now I've shared this before, but I'm fascinated by what is known as um, is cellular memory in the transplant of organs. Fascinated by this. You, you, might, you might have heard of some of this before, but this, this study that the cells within an organ carry memories and desires of the person to whom once they belonged when they're transplanted into a new person. I've got uh, pages of people who had transplants and when they had a, a transplanted lung or a transplanted heart or a transplanted something, then something of the person that it came from is transplanted into the new person. Listen to this. This, this girl's name was Claire Sylvia. And she had a, a, an operation, and she had a heart and lung transplant. After the operation, she woke up and told everyone she was dying for a beer. She'd never, she'd never even enjoyed a beer before. But suddenly, she's now having a craving for a beer. You can get it walking, you can get it talking. Matter of fact, you can have it having a heart operation. It's true. She, she, had, she woke up and now she's like, I need green peppers. I need Snickers chocolate bars and I need McDonald's chicken McNuggets. I'm not even going to comment about what that looks like. And they went and they found out as she began to have dreams as, and she would dream of someone called Tim and they traced down, they found out that her organ donor was a guy called Tim who died in a motorbike, motorbike accident, literally had chicken McNuggets in the pockets of his, of, his, of his jacket and in a heart transplant, that transplant of one organ from him into her came the cravings and desires and appetites from the from Tim the heart donor another one just just to give you an idea Amy Tippins she had a liver transplant and after surgery as a 17 year old she developed cravings for hamburgers there's a theme going on here uh, suddenly she found herself able to do complex do-it-yourself hardware skills I wouldn't mind some of those skills I'm telling you right now uh, she also woke up from her operation with a keen sense of civic duty. She suddenly felt responsible to do things in her community and she'd never had that before. They found out, they tracked down her donor and found out that her donor was a US Marshal whose favorite food was hamburgers and was really good with his hand and did ho uh, building projects at home. Through the organ of a heart and a liver, she got there was cravings and appetites, new skills, new character traits. Some people have woken up uh, liking music that they'd never heard of before, and when they heard it, they would be reduced to tears. Other people, uh, new hobbies like cycling and kayaking or cooking. And in the moment of a transplant, this came into their world. This makes perfect sense to me. Because I understand when you got a new heart, the heart of Jesus Christ spiritually, the Bible says you have the, you have the mind of Christ. Your spirit has the mind of Christ. You, you spiritually have the heart of Christ. Then you and I, when we got born again, we get new cravings. We get new desires. We get new interests. We get new appetites. We like songs we never liked before. What is it when someone gets born again and before we met God and He came and He made us new? He didn't just, here's what I want you to really understand. God made you new, Sam. 
He made you a new creation, not, not, the, not just the old, but you're brand new. You're different now. And people will say you're different. And you go, well, and it's not just that you hang around with some Christians. And it's not just that you get in a church. It's not just that the atmosphere gets on you. You have become a spiritually new creation. And now you're like, well, I used to read the Bible. It didn't make any sense. But now I've got this real appetite to read the Bible. What is that? New creation. I, I used to want to swear all the time. And now I don't, want, I don't seem to swear all the time. What is that? New creation. I, I used to like hanging out in those places, but now I don't like hanging out in those places. I like hanging out in these places. What is that? New creation, new craving. It's a new desire, and it comes with being born again by the Spirit of God. You're a new creation. And it's only possible because Jesus is alive. When He came alive, He said, I'm going to live forever, and now you can live forever. This Spirit that you have can live forever. I wonder, some of us here tonight, maybe, maybe you're like, oh, that makes sense. How can a person go from one day, like the Apostle Paul, persecuting Christians and wanting to throw them in jail, and the very next day, wanting to stand up in front of the same people and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. How can, how can someone who, who was always afraid of sticking out from the crowd and saying, I'm just going to go with the flow of all my friends and whatever they do, I'll do, suddenly stand up and go, well, I'm going to make a declaration. I'm getting water baptized. I'm going to go against the flow. I'm going to do it different from now on. How does that happen except by being made alive by the risen Savior, Jesus Christ? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're a new creation. He's the new prototype. So am I saying that from now on that I'm a new creation? Am I saying I'm only going to have the new cravings? not the old cravings? Am I, gonna, am I saying that from now on, it's gonna be easy to follow God because I'm brand new and made in His image and, and spiritually I'm brand new. And actually the Bible says spiritually, once you're a new creation, you're, you're born of an incorruptible seed, the Word of God. That's, that's what you're born of and that's incorruptible and that's gonna live forever. That's, the, that, that's what made you alive. You heard the, the, the Word preach the gospel and it got inside of you and you became born again in the image of Christ. And so you're like, the Bible actually says spiritually, you're perfect, Keegan. Not just Keegan. Bible says spiritually you're unable to sin. Katie. Spiritually. Spiritually you're perfect. Before God, you can come before His presence every day. Perfect wrapped in Jesus Christ. The, the God, this is when Adam and Eve sinned, God had to kill something and wrap their clothes in them so that, that that blood sacrifice for their sin would make them acceptable to Him because at that moment it wasn't the animal. He was looking forward at Jesus knowing that one day Jesus would be crucified for their sin and they would be wrapped in the garments of Jesus in that moment. And so in that moment, we're perfect. We're in Christ. Your spirit is perfect. Now your spirit's got to get strong 
Your spirit gets strong by reading the word. Your spirit gets strong by praying. Your spirit gets strong by hanging out with other Christians. Your, your spirit, it's perfect and it can get stronger and stronger. That's why the Bible says spiritual exercise profits a lot, but physical exercise, it's good. But the, the, what you really want to do is spiritual exercise. I want to say to every person getting baptized tonight and everyone who has been baptized in this church, I want to see you here in a year. I want to see you here strong. I want to see you here walking with God. I want to see you here with your hands raised and worshiping God. I want to see you on fire for God. Not just the moments, but a lifestyle. And here, so if you're like, oh, if I'm spiritually good news, John, I can't sin. But oh, actually, what happened yesterday? What was that? Well, that, that was your soul. That was the old you. That's the fleshly nature that, that doesn't get dealt with forever in a moment. Now there's a journey that's going to go on and your, your flesh nature, your human, you don't, when you get baptized, you don't stop being a human being. You've just got a new spirit and you're a new Jesus being, but you're still, a, you're still in that human body. One day you'll get a resurrection body. Perfect. Can't wait. Awesome. Some of you want to be a little bit taller. I'm not sure if it works like that. I see those hands. Wow, that was a fast response. One day you'll get a new body, a resurrection body. Just as when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he got a new body. He said, Mary, you can't hug me anymore because my body is now of another realm and you're still of that realm. So you're still a human being with a, with a God spirit on the inside. And so now until we get resurrected, there's, until we go to be with God, there's this war that's going to go on. Your humanity will wage war against your spirituality. Your, your fleshly nature will wage war against the nature of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. Uh, there will be a tug, a tug of war that goes on. One will try and pull you back uh, this way and the other will pull you back that way. And here's the good news. Your, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, if you keep trying, keeps covering you. The blood of Jesus Christ, if you keep worshiping and following Him, it keeps covering Him. As long as you don't turn your back and walk the other way, you can turn up here knowing that you're a sinner, knowing that you stuffed up, knowing that we, we messed up. We can keep turning up knowing the grace of God covers us. It's the good news. Turn up, turn up after a bad Saturday night. Come on, I know, you're like, oh, I thought I was a new creation. I thought I was different, you're like, but then I did that stuff last night. Can I even go tomorrow? Yes, you can, because in Christ, spiritually, you're perfect before God. Turn up, turn up, turn up. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Get in the house. But at the same time, recognize the war that's going on that will try and take you out, discourage you, to get you to the point where you do turn your back and walk the other way. And, that, and that's the war that goes on. And I want to encourage you like, well, how do, how do I beat that? Well, it's, it's as simple as this. Feed one and starve the other. Feed your spirit and starve your flesh. Feed your spirit and starve your flesh. Feed your spirit and starve your flesh. What does that mean? Well, there's some places you just shouldn't be anymore. Starve that thing. 
There's some things you shouldn't watch anymore. Starve that thing. There's some things you shouldn't listen to anymore. It's not that they're, they're terrible, but they take you to a place. They're like pulling you back to an old way. So don't do that anymore. There's some people for a season you can't hang around with because they're going to pull you back into an old way. There's some books you can't read. There's some things you've got to go through your house and throw out. There's some stuff you've got to get off your shelf. There's some things you've got to delete off your iPad and your iPhone and make some choices. I'm going to go for God. I'm going to starve my flesh and I'm going to feed my spirit. Or if I'm starving that, here's the thing. If I'm just starving that but not feeding that, then I'm just going to get weaker and weaker. Whatever you're feeding gets stronger. Whatever you starve gets weaker. So here's what happens. If you're like, if I'm just, if I'm just hoping that being in church is going to be enough, it, it, it's, it's, it's a step, but it's the start. So I'm starving, I'm all that stuff. But if I don't starve that and have a focus, then I'm just going to get real, I'm, I'm going to get grumpy. I'm going to be like, well, this is no fun. I used to have fun. And if I haven't fully embraced God's ways, I'm just going to be stuck in no man's land between old, old fun days that actually destroyed my soul, but they still, I still remember the fun bits. And new God ways, which seem really hard right now, but I'm telling you, once you've, it's like going from, I've driven in America, and I, when you drive on the right, when you drive on the left-hand side, we do, don't we, yeah? We drive on this side, and you go to America, and you go on the other side, and you're changing gears with, a, it's, it feels awkward and weird and unco. But if you just keep driving, if you just keep, no, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not gonna drive on the other side now, because that would be bad. If you just keep driving, do it unco. Do it weird. Lift your hands weird. Read your Bible crazy. Pray awkward. Hang around with people. Just even though you've got no friends in church, just keep turning up in church until you get some friends. Get in the house of God. Make it the place you live. Give your life to be in the house of God. It'll change your life. Change your life, but it won't be easy. There'll be a reason every week not to be in church. There'll be a reason every week not to go to a connect group. There'll be an excuse of tiredness, sickness, busyness, uh, you name it, whatever the devil can do to pull you over into this side away from God. There'll be a reason not to do it. But I'm telling you, if you're like, I'm gonna do it tired, I'm gonna do it guilty, I'm gonna do it cranky, I'm gonna do it sick, I'm gonna do it embarrassed, I'm gonna do it awkward, I'm gonna do it without friends, I'm going to be in no man's land, but I'm going to keep walking towards God. There will come a day when God's power breaks out in all of your spirit and changes the way you live. Oh, I'm having fun. And if you're having fun, I want you here in a year. I want you here in two years. I want you here in three years. And if you're not here in four years, it's because you've gone to another location to help us expand the gospel of Jesus wherever you are. Come on, someone give the Lord some praise right now. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Give Him honor. Jesus. Come on, give Him a shout of praise. God, you're breaking us out. Come and have your way. Come and change every heart, every life. We pray in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Whoa. Feel a little like a black preacher here for a moment. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah.
I love baptisms. I love what it represents. I love what God's doing. I love where we're going. I want us to close our eyes right now. New creations, because Jesus is alive. Maybe you're here tonight. You're like, well, that's a bit exciting. That's a little bit hyped up. I'm not trying to get us hyped up. I'm trying to get us to connect with the truth of the Word of God. God's love for every one of us. And if you're here tonight, maybe you've come to see a friend get baptized. Maybe you've come to, because you found us on Facebook, maybe Google, maybe you've been coming for a little while. And in your heart of hearts, you've never really experienced God's love and his forgiveness. And I'd love to pray for you tonight. I'd love to lead you in prayer tonight of giving your life to Christ where you can experience his love and his forgiveness. The gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers us is not because we earned it or we're good enough or we deserve it. It's a free gift. The gift of forgiveness of sins. The gift of eternity in heaven with Jesus. The gift of a clear conscience that's only available through Jesus Christ. That gift is indeed a gift. And I'm wondering if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never received his love. In a moment, I just love you in your seat wherever you are to raise your hand if you want to begin a relationship with God. When you put your hand up, I'll just say, I see your hand and you can put it down. And then we're all going to pray a prayer together as we're seated together. We'll pray a prayer of inviting God into your life. Maybe you might be here tonight and I get a feeling that there's some people here tonight And you're like on autopilot. It's like you're, you're, just, you're just going. You're going around in circles and you're doing life. But there's no passion in you. There's no sense of purpose. You know there's got to be something, something greater and something better. But, but you're, it's almost like you're just trapped in, in mediocrity. And tonight God comes and he says, I want to, I want to take you out of, of just living day to day. I want to take you out of autopilot and I want to put you on a path of destiny, significance and purpose. But you have to surrender your life to me. And so tonight, if you're saying, John, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And in a moment, I'll get you to raise your hands. If you're saying at one point I had that relationship but I walked away from God and I'm not walking with Him right now and I need to come back to Him. Your heart knows that you need to come back to Him. In a moment, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to come back to Christ. Or maybe if you're here and you're just not sure when you die you're going to go to heaven, I'd like to pray for you so you can be confident you're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. So right across the room right now, if this is you, you're saying, John, something's missing and I want that relationship with God that's available through Jesus or I'm coming back to him tonight because I've drifted away and I want to make him number one, or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to get right with God. Wherever you are, just lift it up real high. Thank you, sweetheart. I see your hand. That's awesome. Who else is there right now? You're saying, that's me as well. I want to get right with God. I want to reconnect with God. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just raise your hand up as well so we can include you in this prayer in just a moment? Raise it up real high if it's you. Raise it up real high. Awesome. So someone else tonight, I particularly feel like there's, there's, there's some, um, some guys here. 
And you're, you're, you can just relate to that feeling of just autopilot. And God wants to come and bring joy and peace into your heart, but you have to surrender to Him. So I'm just waiting. If it's you, you're saying, that's me. I need to get right with God tonight. Just raise your hand as well. Say, that's me. I want to invite Christ into my heart, into my life. Wherever you are, just raise it up real high. All right, we're going to pray together right now. Every one of us together in this room. And for that person who raised your hand, this is your moment. Will you pray after me? And we're going to pray together. Say these words after me. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin. I'm sorry. And I'm turning to you tonight to follow you with all my heart. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you tonight. I'm born again, cleansed, and going to heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church, let's put our hands together right now. Isaac, I'm going to hand back to you. Then we're going to do some water baptisms. Cannot wait. Thank you so much. So good.